Good morning, Burrow. That's right. It's Friday. It's 9 a.m. That means it's time for the morning after right here on 88.9 WFSE. I'm your host, Tubby. Alongside me, as always, on this Friday is my main man, Drew. Hello, hello, hello. And as an extra special bonus, we get the man, the myth, the legend, Mike Fenner in studio with us today. Mike, how are you? I had the volume down. You want me to do it again? I'll do it again. There you go. He's giving me that look now like you're dead to me. Have you ever seen How I Met Your Mother and when Lily gives that you're dead to me look? That's what I'm getting. That's accurate. Yeah, that's (laughs) right He doesn't even have the headset on and he knows what's happening. Oh, he knows. Oh, there's no doubt. (laughs) When he seen me reach for the the mouse, he knew it was coming. Almost every time I feel like it's about 9.50 every day or every two days, (laughs) I I hear the barking. I almost, it's like I hear it in my sleep now. It's routine. I'm used to it. Like, where were you for Bartgate 2016? Well, it was actually 2015, but then Amelia called it 2016, which was amazing. I still love that. It's awesome. (laughs) So so it's like old home days here on the morning after. Um, Dre will not be joining us today. She is out sick. So my best wishes to her. I hope that she gets to feeling better. Um, But later at 9.10, we'll be joined by by the one and only Tyler Trumbauer former co-host, and Mike, your former partner, as mm-hmm. the voice of the Edinburgh Fighting Scots. Um, speaking of Edinburgh, we do have Edinburgh news, because Mother Nature finally gave it up <laughs> and let us play some sports yesterday. Thank God. So I don't, I mean, for you Wiccans and Pagans out there who made your offerings to finally bring spring in, <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. For everybody else who prayed to whatever God they wish, and let the sun shine. Thank you. Um, let's start off with Lady Softball as they played a double header down at the Slimy Pebble. And it didn't go so well. Uh, no. And the first score is, is shocking. <laughs> the, the first score is 20 to 10. That what? is not a joke. And this is not a different sport. 20 to 10 in a softball match. Slippery Rock beats Edinburgh. Right. And Slippery Rock got off to a fast, hot start. Six runs in the first, six runs in the second, uh, two in the third, one in the fourth, and then finishing it up with five in the fifth. So not a pitcher's duel. No. <laughs> no. Not quite. And then game two, it didn't fare much better, although it was more of a normal score where Slippery Rock comes out on top of that one, seven to five. And Edinburgh made a run uh, in the seventh, but just couldn't get get all of it back. After a big six inning for Slippery Rock, where they had six runs, so I mean, good effort, ladies. Again, they continue. Uh, they play Cal here today in a doubleheader, starting at two thirty. So if you get out of class, head on over to field and support them. It's going to be a nice sunny day. Should be in the fifties, close to sixties today. Which is unseasonal for us here at Borough. Close to 70s. I saw like 68 this afternoon. Oh. I mean, I'm optimistic, but I would love for that to happen. So I, I need to break 68. out. So, <laughs> so I need to break out the sunscreen and and maybe the uh, the ice cloth because the big guy be sweating. Yes, accurate. Ugh, yuck. Anywho, so the ladies' tennis team was also at Slippery Rock. Also at Slippery Rock, and also did not come up with a win. Uh, their their match, they lose six to three. The three wins were all in singles, and that was 
of the three singles matchups, and they got swept in doubles. Again, Coach Underwood, a couple weeks ago when I talked with him, said that they felt like their team could compete with Slippery Rock, and a lot of the matchups were close, but then a lot were not close as well. So, I mean, take away what you can from this and then try to immediately move on. Right. And speaking of, of moving on, ladies lacrosse was in action at home against IUP, and our very own Dr. Ron Raymond was the honorary captain for this game. And ladies just came up short. IUP came out hot in the first, scoring 12 goals. Edinburgh only halving that by six. Coming back out after halftime in the second, Edinburgh's defense finally locked down and only allowing three, but they were unable to close the gap as they only scored six for a final score of 15-12. to 12. Uh, In this game, Alexa Healy had three goals and one assist, and a Purdy three goals, one assist. Emily Peters, two goals, zero assists, and Rebecca Martin, two goals, zero assists. So, I, you know, again, this PSAC conference is just tough mm-hmm. for lacrosse. And it's not – I'm not saying this just, you know, because I'm a homer, but, I mean, our ladies, are, our ladies lacrosse team is right there. It's just that this competition is so tough. I, so. I would agree with you. I think, you know, they have the talent. It's just, you know, they're constantly against – I mean, IUP is a ranked team. I believe they were 18 – this for this game. So, I mean, that was another ranked team that they had to battle. And really, if you look at the second half, they did a good job against this team. It was just, unfortunately, in the first half, they got down by too much. Right. And then we look at uh, going forward in Edinburgh sports, our last little tidbit, Pat Lugo named Freshman of the Year for EWL. Not a surprise. Congratulations to him. Good job out of you, Pat, on your uh, inaugural season as a Fighting Scott. And I look forward to the years coming wrestling for the Fighting Scots. Mm-hmm. He's going to be one to watch, one to keep your eyes on. Um, real quick, because as we're getting ready to bring Tyler in here, and we're going to, the majority of the day will probably be taken up by the NFL draft, and there's a lot of twists and turns. But I want to get to the, I want to run around um, the Major League Baseball scores real quick. San Diego Padres fall to the Phillies 3-0. The White Sox over the Twins 3-1. Twins still looking for a first win. Cardinals over the Brewers 7-0. Rockies over the Giants 11-6. Nationals over the Braves 6-2. The Blue Jays beat the Yankees. Everybody happy 4-2. Drew Patrick's Cubbies 8-1 over the Cincinnati Reds. The Texas Rangers, 6-3 over the Orioles. The Kansas City Royals, 6-2 over the Houston Astros. The L.A. Dodgers, 5-2 over the Diamondbacks. Now on to games of local interest. The Pirates fall again at home, bringing their record to a 5-5 to the Detroit Tigers, 7-4. Again, it's still early in the season, so Buccos fans... Don't freak out yet. Still plenty of time to raise it, if it were. Hoist the Jolly Roger. Um, And in fantastic fashion, 
my Cleveland Indians 6-0 over the Tampa Bay Rays in the Dome. Had some outstanding play um, by the Rays. Or, I'm sorry, by the by the Indians. The Ra- well, yeah, I guess outstanding play by the Rays because they let my Indians win. <laughs> so, kudos to them. Also coming up, it's going to be, we're going to talk about. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. We are going to you talk kidding about me? playoffs. Playoffs? Well, yes, we are. And it's because <laughs> it's the NBA playoff time. And if there's time towards the end of the show, we're going to get back into that, give our picks. I have already been on record. I picked the teams in the finals and who's going to win. Also, there's a scheduling conflict with two of the world's biggest, brightest stars. (laughs) And it all happens to deal with the Mecca that is Cleveland. But right now, let's go ahead and hit our first break as we will bring in Tyler Trumbauer and get to... The NFL draft, because I know you're all waiting. Stay tuned right here, 88.9 WFSE, Fighting Scots Radio. And we're back right here on the morning after, right here on 88.9 WFSE. I'm Tubby. He's Drew. The man on the end is the man, the myth, the legend, Mike Fenner. And on the line right now, I have the one, the only, Tyler Trumbauer. Tyler, how are you today, sir? I'm doing fine, guys. How are you? Good. Can you hear us okay? I can hear you fine. You sound sound a little loud, sound a little excited, but uh, that's you, so I don't know. Yeah, that's just, that's just how I roll on a Friday. <laughs> that's just me. So let's get right into the draft. Now, yesterday, shocking news as Fenner's Tennessee Titans – shock the world, do a blockbuster trade with the L.A. Rams and trade back out of the number one spot. Mike, I'm going I think that was, the, it was the greatest move the Titans could have made, and I'm sure Mike agrees. Oh, totally. I was loving it. I mean, I'm waking up to this. I didn't get back from uh, console till 3 a.m. from Pittsburgh the night before. Humble brag. And, yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I was telling you this yesterday. You know, I was sleeping in, obviously, and I wake up to my phone, and this thing is just blown up. I'm like, what is going on? Like, I can't be that popular on a Thursday morning. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, they did it. They pulled the trigger. I mean, they've been talking about it for weeks. They've been talking about it for over a month, and I think they're going to really reap the benefits of that. I think especially next year when they go into the first round with a couple of probably top 15, maybe two top 10 picks, I think that's going to be a huge advantage. They have yeah, – ten- Go ahead, Tennessee has their Tennessee has their their starting quarterback. They have Mariota. All they need is they just need to fill the depth in that roster. And like Mike said, to get that many picks was was unbelievable. And I think LA uh, kind of overpaid a little bit for it. But you know the room, the reports are coming out that the reason they upped their ante was because the Eagles were this close, were knocking on the doorstep of doing their own trade with the Tennessee Titans. Surprisingly enough, that they were about to do a deal this year when one couldn't get done last year. But I don't think the Eagles would have been, should have been trading up for number one. But that's my personal opinion. But Tennessee total winners, L.A. Now they're on the clock at number one, and I don't think I don't think anyone is happier for that than Commissioner Roger Goodell. I I think you know what the pick having L.A. go to have the number one pick is great for L.A. because you're trying to get the fan base to come back to Los Angeles. I mean they're really already there. But you can pick your quarterback of the future, Mm -hmm. your quarterback to lead that L.A. area. I think it's a – I mean, yes, I think they gave up too much, but I think it's perfect for L.A. 
really cool storyline, no doubt. And you've already got a great superstar running back, a young guy in Todd Gurley. You've got a great defense. That's the piece that's been missing. I mean, you've been struggling with that Sam Bradford draft pick ever since they did it back in 2008. Mm-hmm. And uh, they just haven't been able to find that guy. I mean, Nick Foles, they thought might be an answer. Maybe just, you know, spark plug, but didn't happen to be the case. They need that face of the franchise. And the timing, like you said, is perfect. It's L.A., they're back. Now you get a fresh face, kind of a fresh start. And you've already got some building blocks, some good pieces, a Tavon Austin as well on the perimeter. I think they've got some pieces. It's a tough division, no doubt about it. You're looking up at two very good teams in Arizona and Seattle, two teams that should contend for the playoffs for the next handful of years, really. Uh, But you can change that if you get the right guy, and I think they're at least in position to do so. The only criticism you know, that I have is what they did to Washington, and now they're doing it right back. I mean, this is a risky move. They, they did give up a lot of picks, and, uh, but I wouldn't expect Mike Malarkey to know to be able to get those guys if they play the Rams, you know, all those former draft picks as game captains. I don't think he'd be able to keep track of it. So I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about that, mm-hmm. that troll job too much if I was St. Louis. No, and and the, I, biggest, the I, biggest thing, sorry, guys, the biggest thing for them is, is additionally is now the man that I think has more job security in the NFL than anyone else, Jeff Fisher. He just bought himself a few more years with this trade. You know, everyone likes to look forward, and he's able to do that. And secondly, you know, and I think this is the biggest question, is they're like, oh, they moved up for Carson Wentz. This is the reason they moved up. I'm not 100% sure. I like to see what you guys think. But is this Carson Wentz? Was that the, the motivation for this move? Or was it Jared Goff? Because Tubby can speak to this a little bit more, but I'm hearing that the Cleveland Browns are not in love with making a quarterback selection at number two. And personally, and we're all talking and we all seem in agreement with that, this move for L.A. and making the hype for the L.A. team is great to have them as the number one overall pick in the 2016 NFL draft. But Carson Wentz is touted as the guy that's ready to start right now. Jared Goff is touted as the guy with a higher ceiling and is able to perform better long-term if you give him a year or two. So who's to say, while the Rams are kind of hanging out and squatting in Inglewood, California for the next year or two they don't start case keenum and have jared goff learning under him and then when they do move into the bigger expensive higher price ticket bigger market la that's when they unveil jared goff i think that would be a better route for the Rams. yeah i i agree totally and i and that's the thing is i mean are we really all drinking in the kool-aid that carson wentz and jared goff are legitly the one and two picks in the overall draft I mean, I'm not seeing it. Maybe it's just a buyer's remorse or being bitter that the Titans kind of messed us over because, I mean, we were sitting pretty at the number two pick thinking, okay, well, the Titans are going to go offensive line, or if they're not going to go offensive line, then they're probably going to grab Ramsey because they don't need a quarterback. So we knew we were going to pick the first quarterback. But when the Browns picked up RG3 off the trash heap, and now it's it's a recycling project. I think at that moment, once they picked him up, they moved away and they were not going to pick a quarterback. I think the rest of it was all smokescreen. Yeah, we've said. I agree. We've said that we don't think Cleveland is going to go quarterback. It makes no sense to replace a a 26 year old who you just picked up with a, another project. I like Carson Wentz though at one. I think I think he right now. I like the blue-collar mentality that Carson Wentz has more than Jared Goff. So if I'm L.A., I still think I go Carson Wentz. 
Understandable. I mean, the guy did win four national championships. You're going to get the argument of Division One AA, but in any sport, in any level, winning four national championships is extremely difficult. So, Tubby, let me ask you this question. So you're sticking with RG3 for the Cleveland Browns at two, but or I mean at quarterback, and they're still at number two. Do the Browns trade down from number two, or do they stay at number two and take a – if it's not a quarterback, what position? Because there's going to be a lot of teams, including my beloved Philadelphia Eagles, targeting that number two, especially after seeing who the Rams take at one, who's available at two. Because, like you said, I think we are completely overvaluing Wentz and Goff and Paxton Lynch in this draft. But that is the one position that you need the most to win in this league as a quarterback. So if the Browns aren't taking a quarterback, what do they do with number two overall? I think, first of all, they're probably going to take – I would take Ramsey. Mm-hmm. I, and uh, Drew and I are in agreement with this. I, I'm pretty sure they're going to go with Ramsey and get that lockdown, legit backfield with him and Hayden uh, for Horton's defense. But I believe that the only dance partner that they could find that would be interesting enough to Cleveland to trade out of the number two would be your Philadelphia Eagles because they're still in the – they're still being a top ten, right, or – Right. They're, yeah, they're eight, the eight right now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so they'd still be in the top ten, and you can still get a top ten talent. The problem is, can they get a sweetheart deal out of Philly, or are you guys going to be classic stingy Philly and try not to give up too much to jump to two? Right, right. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, I, I don't want the Eagles to make a large package for a quarterback, but I have a feeling that if they, they might, but the only, the only way they do it is until the Browns get on the clock. Like I said before, I, I want to see who St. Louis takes because personally, if I'm St. Louis, I might take Jared Goff. I mean, I, I know Carson Wentz is more ready to play right now, but I still think Jared Goff has that higher ceiling. And you have a few years until you're, until you're in the spotlight of L.A. I think you could have that year or two to rebuild that position and have him develop fully. Because if I'm the Eagles, I know they're in love with Carson Wentz. I mean, they visit him multiple times. They went to North Dakota. They had dinner with him in L.A., talked to him at the Combine, had him come into the NovaCare Complex in Philadelphia. They spent five or six total visits on this kid. You don't do that if you're not com- completely in love. There have been reports from the Philadelphia reporters that Doug Peterson, new head coach for the Philadelphia Eagles, is quote-unquote enamored with him. And additionally, the owner, Jeffrey Lurie, has been on these visits to Carson Wentz. To Jared Goff, they've had dinner with these guys. You don't waste that kind of time, especially the time of an owner, with these guys unless you're not legitimately looking at that person as a quarterback. And they might need to draft up. I don't know if it's number two, but they, if not number two, depending on how you guys draft up front, they could potentially jump to six and get with the Baltimore Ravens and flip back with them. The number one thing they need to do, especially if it seems more likely the Browns are not taking a quarterback, is get in front of the San Francisco 49ers because mm-hmm. if Goff is there at seven, Chip Kelly once again will screw over the Philadelphia Eagles. But the only thing to keep in mind, the Dallas Cowboys are picking at number four. And, I mean, that, that talk started back in, what, October, November, that, that they could potentially go back up and, and kind of build toward the future. That's not out of this, that's not out of this world. I don't think it is. It's not. Because Jerry's not. crazy. Not when Jerry's there, yeah. I have, nothing's off the table in my in my mind. But but real quick, I, I want to mention, because Goff is a California kid. Does it right. make more sense for the for the Rams to go with the California kid who's used to the California lifestyle 
and play Homer than it is to have bring in Carson Wentz. Now, I know Carson Wentz has been out there in L.A. training and stuff, but does it make more sense, though, for somebody who's used to that lifestyle to go to L.A.? Just like on, it's on interesting. I mean, I, I think it, it makes a lot of sense to try and get a, a Cal guy to come to L.A., but, I mean, I, I like golf. Don't get me wrong. I just think the better pick is is Mr. Wentz. You know what? Aaron Rodgers played at Cal. Did a great job. I mean, that's fair. He right. likes playing in the cold. I think he's okay up there in Wisconsin. I think he can do it okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think that holds a ton of weight in my opinion. That's yeah, well, no, my I mean, opinion. I'm not talking like whether I'm just talking like society wise. No, I know. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. like yeah. you're taking a small town kid and you're bringing him into the bright lights, big city. I think he'll um, embrace LA. it if you, if you give it to him. I think he'll embrace it. Yikes. Why not? All right. Well, let's let's move on down the line. We're looking at now San because we spent an enormous <laughs> amount of time at one and two, San Diego. Where do they go? They're sprinting to the podium as fast as they can to get Laramie Tunsil's name in. I guarantee you, they're sprinting as fast as they can up to the podium. That's that's what I have is too. Tyler, do you have any thoughts on San Diego and? Number three. Yeah, I mean you're gonna. Yeah, you're probably gonna take Tunsil. I mean, you need a a offensive lineman there. They had his name is escaping me, but they just had a running back, didn't they? Where where he's just been able to fumble. He's just fumbling the ball. They need an offensive lineman. Melvin Gordon. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah thank you. Yep. So I mean, he had he had. Uh, you know, they need him, and and it's a, they need to change their offense to a running style. They had Philip Rivers, who's gonna truck the ball 45, 50 times a game. If you get him and able to run the ball, you're going to need an offensive line to do that, and they're going to need to build that up just like the Tennessee Titans are going to start doing, building their offensive line and the rest of their roster, and the same thing the Eagles need to start doing, building the offensive line for be able to run the ball, which Chip Kelly didn't value offensive linemen. He likes playing flag football. So, <laughs> they, uh, as you can see, my demeanor has really changed as a Philadelphia sports fan yeah, uh, yeah. since the last time I've been there. But as you can see, a lot has, has transpired. But anyway, yeah. A little bit bitter and salty. <laughs> bitter and salty, kind of like uh... – Salt and vinegar chips coming out of you. Well, really, really. I mean, guys, think about it. Let's, let's, let's. I mean, I was riding high when I was out there. I mean, if you think about what the Eagles were doing, I mean, they had Chip Kelly, who was revolutionizing the National Football League. Kind of messed up as a general manager. Kind of seemed like me in math class. Really, kind of just figuring things out as he goes. But he really was in charge of that team, and then slowly, slowly unraveled. I mean, even though they missed the playoffs the year before, ten and six, nothing to laugh at. And now, look, they ended up with the twelfth overall pick. Then they kicked, then they fired him with a week still left in the regular season. I mean, there's just so much has changed. And I mean, really, Philadelphia sports fans overall, it's not a good time to be a Philadelphia sports fan. I mean, I can maybe root for like the Philadelphia Soul, the Arena Football League team, but really, there's nothing too excited to be excited about. This is why all we're talking about is the NFL draft because we're eighth overall, and that's kind of exciting. They I guess. had Villanova. Yeah, they had kind Villanova. Of. Yeah, come on, man. <laughs> Okay, well, see, now here's a debate that's going on in Philadelphia. Is Villanova a Philadelphia school? It's a Big Five school, which you associate with the city of brotherly love. However, it's technically on the main line. Now, I understand you three Midwestern folks don't understand that. Midwestern? (laughs) Oh, my Lord. But the main line, the main line is north of Philly. I mean, if you think of Philly, you're going to think of, you're thinking of Drexel. You're thinking of Temple. You're thinking of real city schools. Villanova is a rich law school Fancy kids. I mean, I, I, I agree that it's potentially a Philly school, but we also don't value our college sports as much as we do in other areas, especially in the southern part of this country. So I, we did get up for it, and yeah, don't get me wrong, that, that, that game was amazing. The shot, I mean, I mean, I don't know what was going on in Fenner's mind or his pants with as much he was tweeting during that game, 
but that was that was a great uh, game. But I just don't know if they're a Philly team. All right, look, as as a, as a sports fan who's used to grasping at straws, okay. <laughs> let, let me educate you. All right, first of all, you have Temple talking about rich privilege kids. Then you have Drexel, right? Rich <laughs> privilege kids. Are you telling me Temple is a rich privilege? Temple's kids school? not. Yeah, it is. No. Compared, no. Compared to the rest of the state, come on, it is. Compared so, to the rest all right, hold on, state? hold on, hold the phone. Oh, no. Hold oh, the phone. All right. I am holding since the it, phone. Since it's close enough, right? It's a literally a stone's throw. Like you can get from your house to Villanova without burning an entire tank of gas. You claim that as a win for your city. <laughs> I'm telling you, as somebody who has suffered and watched their teams lose consistently, I'm from Cleveland, and I claim championships from Columbus, for crying out loud. You, sir, can claim Villanova. Fair enough. You know, I don't really like that argument, because my gas tank, I could claim the Buckeyes, too. I'm, I've got a pretty good tank. I'm not, I'm not going to... You know, they they claim the Buckeyes, homie. But I, but I wouldn't, and that's, all, that's also not close. That's crossing so, state uh, lines, though. The, yeah. the NFL draft... <laughs> So Dallas has pick four. Has pick Let's four. Let's go back to back. And speaking really of Ohio State, go I got them taking Bosa. No, I I have them going Bosa too. They're not going to go quarterback. I I I mean, I don't see why you would do that. You can get another quarterback to train late in the second round with any of the Big Ten quarterbacks, a Connor Cook, a Cardell Jones, a Christian Hackenberg. You can get those quarterbacks in the second round. Don't waste your first round pick when you have about six great players at the start of this draft, and Bosa's one of them. And I think you should fill the, the big hole left by Greg Hardy, and I think Bosa fits. I don't know if, I don't know how big of a hole Greg Hardy leaves. That's, yeah. um, I mean, he, he, he's not that good. But, no, I agree. The defense of the Dallas Cowboys is atrocious. Uh, luckily, we only have one phone line, so Josh Gleason can't call in. But, I mean, it's a fact. You're not lying. Um and, uh, and, I mean, Joey Bosa is the number one overall guy, I think, in this draft. Um, I mean, we just the quarterbacks are just going to leapfrog him because it's a quarterback-driven league. But I think the Cowboys would be foolish to take anyone other than Bosa at the fourth spot. Yeah. yeah I, okay. I, I have an argument. <laughs> uh, yeah. Four guys agreeing about a pick. <laughs> number five, Jacksonville. Miles Jack, linebacker out of UCLA. I actually have the same thing. And I have it simply because my boy, Paul Pozosny, is getting up there in age. And uh, Miles Jack is the perfect replacement. I could see that. I mean, I don't think I think Jacksonville's got the, got the wheels on, the, sh- on the, the car kind of right a little bit when it comes to the offense. Um, so I think that's all right, but I think yeah, I think they're going to go on the. I think they're going to go on the defensive side. Miles Jack's a solid guy, um, you know, one of the top five prospects in this league or in this draft class right now. I think bolstering that defense a little bit, kind of maybe filling some holes with that linebacking core, I think will be great for Jacksonville. And I, and if they continue to grow with Bortles and that offense, they're going to have the, the big thing is Justin Blackman that a few years ago is still coming coming back to haunt him. I think he's never going to play another down in the National Football League. But really, the Jacksonville Jaguars are doing a nice job building in the draft long term. And sports fans in Florida don't care enough to get on their back. So, hey, they'll be good in 10 years, I guess. I'm going to say this right now. Depending on how they play this whole offseason out, not just this pick in the first round, but depending on how they do things as a whole, this is a fringe playoff team in the AFC in my mind. I honestly think I'm not going to go ahead and proclaim – 
you know, that I'm not going to guarantee they're going to win 10-11 games. I think they could be a 9-10 win football team and make the playoffs. I like Blake Bortles. He is a top five yardage passer from last year. Actually, top five in yards and touchdowns, if I'm not mistaken. He scores all the time. Have you seen his girlfriend? <laughs> yeah. Dude's doing okay. Unbelievable. Living in Jacksonville, he's got that set, set up. I mean, he's, he's living life right now. I'll tell you what. Must be nice. <laughs> <laughs> Baltimore at six. Here I think go. they trade it. Really? Well, with, with your I, I think Baltimore wants to trade down. I mean, what do they need to get that high? I think they'll be better off getting – I mean, if you trade down, think about it. If you, like, for example, Tennessee is going to drop to 15 now with St. Louis. At 15, Tennessee can still get anybody they really want at 15 um, or someone that they really value. I think Baltimore will do the same thing. I think they trade with someone that's already in the top 15 right now and go down, someone's going to jump up to take someone. Maybe it's not a quarterback. Maybe someone's in love with Ezekiel Elliott, who might not fall out of the top ten. Um, I think I definitely think Baltimore trades down. See, it's funny you mentioned Zeke. I actually think this could be a reach pick where Baltimore takes that running back hmm. out of Ohio State. I think that honestly could happen. <laughs> I, I'm not saying it should, and it clearly shouldn't. I don't think Ezekiel Elliott's worth a top ten pick at all No, in my, in my I, mind. I but I think this could be that classic reach pick. With the Ravens settle. I think they Don't go get me safe. wrong. For as big as an Ohio State homer that I am, okay, to me Zeke's a little bit undersized, mm-hmm. just a little bit, and I, I, I don't know that he can protect the quarterback, stay back in protection against some of these defensive guys. Mm-hmm. That are good rushing. point. So, I think I think Ezekiel Elliott is a good choice for a team that is going to shape their entire offense around him. I don't think you're going to take a, a bruising type of running back like him to Baltimore, to Joe Flacco, who tosses the ball 40, 45 times a game. I think maybe if he's going to stay in the top 10, the New York Giants might take him at 10. The Giants have kind of had a revolving door at running back. If you go all the way back to maybe, what, Tiki Barber in the mm-hmm. late 2000s, they've really uh, kind of swirled right now. They got, <laughs> they got that Williams kid from Boston College who went to high school right here where I'm from. But I think you could go Ezekiel Elliott because we see what happens when Eli Manning passes the ball a lot. So if you can split, maybe only have 25, 30 pass attempts from Eli and then make sure Elliott gets 20 touches, that's not a bad offense, and that's formidable in the cold and all season long. Right, and then I wouldn't have to see him in that horrible, horrible purple uniform. I, I You know what? I think Baltimore goes safe. I, I mean, if they don't trade out, I think they go DeForest Bunkner just simply because it's a toss-up between if they want to help their line – and get Ronnie Stanley or if they want to get DeForest Bunkner because I think Bunkner would be the best player left on the board. And it doesn't hurt to help your front. Yep. So we move on then to number seven pick. Chip Kelly. Is this is this a commercial-free show? Like, yeah. Someone we're just, sponsor this? We're just, John Wild would sponsor this? Yeah, we're just going with it. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm just making – hey, I don't know. You guys are in charge. I mean, I don't know what's going on with the morning after anymore. I'm about as active as your Twitter account is, so I have I have no idea, you know, what you guys are doing. You guys are having dance parties. I see Snapchat, so I'm just asking the question. Yeah, yeah, no, we're just, uh, you know, we got sponsorship for this, and and we're just we're just running with it. Yeah, I've gone I've gone low. I'm low man on the totem pole. I'm not prime time like Fenner. I'm not covering the Erie Seawolves one day, the Stanley Cups the next day, the opening day of Major League Baseball. I mean, he's big time. Think about how we've all moved, gone our own way since I've been there. Fenner's really successful now. I know he's he's the man, the myth, the legend. There are none higher. So, kudos to That's him. That's a good get for you guys to get him to corral him into the into the studio earlier this morning. That's a big time get as a get. A, 
A big time get, he says. I like that. Yeah, yeah, That's big you. time. Uh, yeah, so we're, we're moving right along with San Francisco and your boy, Chip Kelly. What's he going to do, Tyler? I have no idea. The guy still screws the Eagles to this day. I mean, if you think about it, the one a key second-round pick that the St. Louis Rams used in the Titans trade was the one that the Eagles gave the Rams in the Nick Foles-Sam Bradford trade. So, again, we still can't get away from Chip Kelly here in Philadelphia. Um, but I, I think he's going to go quarterback. I don't see how you don't. Um, I don't see how Colin Kaepernick succeeds in San Francisco anymore or really in the National Football League for that matter. The guy was 2-6 and six last year before they benched him. And mind you, they benched him for Blaine Gabbert. And I know how much Mike Fenner values Blaine Gabbert. And it's, it's really it's sad to see what he's done. And, and they've, they've talked about trades and, and the standoff between them. I mean, it was basically a done deal sending him to Denver, except San Francisco refused to pay him or refused to pay part of the money that Denver wanted to, and he refused to take a pay cut. And I don't blame Colin Kaepernick. It was a pay cut on guaranteed money. Hey, you guaranteed that money to me. I'm going to be a bum, sit on the bench, and not do anything and still get paid the same amount of money. So I don't see how San Francisco goes through the seventh pick without taking a quarterback, and that would probably be the biggest reach if it's not going to be Wentz or Goff, if they take someone else that Chip Kelly falls in love with. But, hey, as a talent evaluator, I don't know what to think of Chip Kelly. So anything can happen. Based on what I've I've laid out, I think if Goff is available there, Chip Kelly goes Goff because, get you, as you said, they are done with cap. And uh, Chip Kelly seems to only draft Pac-12 guys. Jared Goff is a Pac-12 guy. So I think it fits perfectly for Chip Kelly to, to pick Jared Goff if he's available. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think if Goff or Wentz is still there at seven, which I'm not, I'm not so sold that they will be, um, I think that's, that's a no-brainer. They take one of the two. I still think they take a quarterback no matter who it is. Um, and if it's Paxton Lynch, uh, maybe you reach on Hackenberg, somebody, like you said, which really should be a second-rounder. San Francisco might take and shock the world. Um, but I'm not sure if San Francisco is going to trade up. No one's really talked about the Niners being a team that's going to move up into the top five because, really, that might be what you need to do to get a quarterback. It's funny you, you mentioned that name, Tyler. I've been wondering why we haven't talked about Paxton Lynch even one time throughout this show. I'm thinking they could even wait. I mean, you don't have to force the issue in that first round, in that top ten. I think you could wait and get a guy like a Lynch or maybe a Connor Cook, a Hackenberg, you know, et cetera. But I think Paxton Lynch, I mean, he's fallen off pretty, pretty hard. Mm-hmm. He fell off the cliff there, especially after, you know, the lack of exposure against big teams other than maybe Ole Miss this season for Memphis. Uh, but after that Birmingham Bowl against Auburn where really, you know, obviously he got exposed, has kind of fallen off the cliff, but I don't think that you completely – Dismiss the guy. I mean, he's six seven, two forty five. He's got good measurables, a, and I mean, <laughs> I don't think you completely get rid of him in terms of uh, options. Yeah, but if, if if I'm him, I'm still not I'm still not buying a ticket and showing up to the draft night. No, 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 no. I'm not saying no, I mean, that. I'm, no. I'm sitting at home on the couch with mom and pop. No, I'm saying that San Francisco could be a team that waits, doesn't right. have to do it in the first round, and then you get a gem, possibly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it gets a steal in a second. Yeah. Which, yeah. <laughs> All right, so we go to number eight, and if the Eagles don't jump, then who do they go with? This is this is interesting. Just just talking about what reports have come out from the Philadelphia media, just kind of being a mouthpiece for them. It seems like Howie Roseman, general or new 
vice president of football operations, the new old, the guy that Chip, Chip Kelly kicked to the curb, and now we brought him back again, um, kind of like a high school boyfriend. And he seems to be in love with Ezekiel Elliott. Quarter, head coach Doug Peterson seems to be in love with the quarterback, specifically Carson Wentz. But the smart pick seems to be the offensive line. The Eagles are really, really just barren when it comes to the offensive line. They've got, they've got, a solid, they've got solid people there right now. Um, but they got some older people. They got Jason Peters, who's an all-pro left tackle, but he maybe has a year or two of solid quality football left in him. Lane Johnson, who, sh- who truly is, should be a left tackle, but is, what, is over there on the right side of the line waiting for Peters to retire. We'll move over to the left. So I'm really thinking they need to take an offensive lineman here. Um, I'm kind of happy with, with a little bit of anybody. I mean, I know we've already said Tunsil will be off the board here, um, but there's, there's a lot of good people here. This is a, a, a bountiful um, offensive line class. Personally, I would like to take Ronnie Stanley from Notre Dame uh, if he's there at eight because I think he's a solid guy. I've watched him a lot, Notre Dame fan. But Jack Conklin, I mean, that offensive line from Michigan State was superb this year, either one of those. But I think the safe pick for the Eagles should be the offensive line. But, again, I don't know. I mean, I'm surprised they jumped into the top ten. And so, the plan- I, personally, I'd take an offensive lineman. And, and the plan, it's a line because I agree with you, Tyler. I have them taking Ronnie Stanley as well. I, from Notre Dame. I like the pick of Ronnie Stanley, but I think I think they go Zeke Elliott out of Ohio State. I, I think I don't think they need a running back, but I think with Murray gone, they traded him. So that leaves a hole because I don't think Ryan Matthews is the guy. And Darren Sproles is not the guy. So I think you go Zeke Elliott here. It's probably a reach at eight, but I, I think he's the guy that, that fits. For those of you just joining us, we are talking draft with Tyler Trumbauer, Mike Fenner, Drew Patrick, and myself, Tubby, right here on the morning after on 88.9 WFSE. And we're talking about on the clock right now are Tyler's Eagles. So far, Tyler and I are in agreement with uh, Ronnie Stanley, offensive tackle out of Notre Dame. Drew believes it should be uh, Ezekiel Elliott. Out of Ohio State, Mike Fenner. I like the offensive line pick, too. I mean, with Stanley, I think that's solid. I think that's just a no-brainer, really. Uh, They need the help. It's a very similar situation that my team's in, that they were in last year, that they're in this year, and same with the Eagles. Uh, I like those safe picks. And, I mean, you think about some of the teams that built their offensive lines within the last 10 years that had a lot of success at the time. San Francisco. I mean, they, they did it in one draft. Dallas did it in one draft. Those teams ended up going and having pretty successful runs. The Niners going all the way you know, to the Super Bowl. Dallas arguably could have been there by doing that. Uh, I think that's a really good move. And it's never the sexy pick, but you got to protect your guys. And uh, they've got playmakers. I think that they need to unleash them by getting that offensive line help. Ezekiel Elliott, the running back position has been so devalued in the National Football League. I mean, think about the last time a running back has been has been taken high. I mean, we've had success with that. I mean, Melvin Gordon was up there. Uh, we had some we've had some success with with top notch running backs, but really, running backs have really been devalued in the league overall in the last few years. And I think Elliott is going to have to be the centerpiece of an offense. And I don't think that he should be that for the Eagles. I think I know Ryan Matthews and Darren Sproles aren't every down back prone to injury. Darren Sproles doesn't even really hand the ball, get the ball handed to him. It's normally out of, out of the slot or a, or a wheel route out of the backfield. But 
I just don't like Ezekiel Elliott in that position. I think the Eagles either make a jump for a quarterback or they stay safe and take an offensive lineman. Doug Peterson was brought into this league as a coach under Andy Reid, longtime Eagles coach, and Andy Reid always preached offensive line and built his team from it. I think Peterson subscribes to that same philosophy, and he's going to do that unless he gets enamored with a quarterback and finds a deal that him and Howie Roseman can make to move up in the draft. Do you think a lot of teams are afraid to take a running back high due to the Trent Richardson effect? I believe so, yeah. I think the running back position overall, I mean, look at what the New England Patriots have been able to do. I mean, they've been a top team. And you can't, and they, they have not had any stability at the running back position. They've had fumblers, and as soon as you fumble the ball, you're benched. You get cut. I mean, just, just look at last year alone. I don't have that number, but how many running backs in the last year and a half have the Patriots signed? A good amount. And it's, it's Bill Belichick has shown that if you've had a good quarterback and you have other playmakers and a good offensive line, you can place almost anyone back there with, with decent NFL talent and you will be able to suffice in the backfield. Yeah, I think Jonas Gray epitomized that, going for like 150 yards on Sunday night football and then doesn't even see the lineup for the next following month, month and a half. But they're fine. Exactly. You don't miss a beat. You have plenty of guys back there. They've been doing that for over 10 years now, and it's worked out pretty well. Okay, let's go ahead and move on to the number nine pick with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I have Vernon Hargreaves, cornerback out of Florida. They either go edge rusher or secondary. I think they go edge rusher, though, which makes no sense because they have – I think they're good on the edge, but a lot of things that I've been reading on Tampa says they want to go another edge rusher, and I think the best left on the board was Shaq Lawson out of Clemson. This secondary is atrocious. This was the best offense in Tampa Bay history last year. The best, statistically. This secondary couldn't cover the three of us or Tyler. Honestly, the, the, four, the four of us going double-doubles out there in the gun, they, they couldn't cover anybody. The secondary is awful. They need to go cornerback. And you're facing Drew Brees, who's still got it. You're facing Matt Ryan, who can still sling it around. I'm not going to say he's going to win a ton of games. And you're facing a, dy- a, dy- a dynamic, if I could get it out, geez, in Cam Newton in the NFC South. They have to go defense, obviously, but they have to go secondary. And I think Hargraves is a shutdown guy. He has been an absolute stud at Florida. He's been just terrorizing me in my nightmares. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make Tubby angry here with my choice. But, yeah, I'm definitely going with uh, Hargraves as well. I mean, Mike, Mike had a perfect argument. That secondary was awful. I mean, anybody could have beaten them. Uh, in that secondary last year if you were able to throw the ball past that linebacking core, and it's, it's a big hole to fill. And I think the Florida transition will be nice. Hargraves is obviously a first-round talent, middle-of-the-road, upper class in that first round. I think this is an easy pick for the Tampa Bay Bucks, who, I mean, obviously are starting over again after they fired Lovey Smith. So, I mean, that's kind of an interesting move, too. So I think they need to stay safe and, and secure up their uh, secondary. All right, and then we're at 10, the New York Giants. Anybody want to open? Anybody? Bueller? I mean, they. I think they need to focus on their line, but I think they need to focus on the right side of their line. So, And the, the true right tackle of this draft is Jack Coughlin out of Michigan State. So I think they could go run. I still have Ronnie Stanley available. Uh, I think they go Jack Conklin because they, they trust a guy who's used to being on the right. 
See, I'm following. Yeah, I agree. Go ahead, Tyler. No, I was just going to say I agree. I mean, I think the Giants are, are, are a smart organization. I mean, I know they've come into a lot of fire with the, with the uh, kind of pushing out of Tom Coughlin, and uh, that's come into a lot with the G-Men faithful, but I think that was the right move. I think this is a smart organization. I think Jerry Reese knows he needs to sure some things up there, and uh, his job is also not completely safe as well, so he can't be making a lot of reaches. He doesn't have a lot of years left under what he's been doing so far. So I believe they need to go smart, get an offensive lineman, whoever is the best available in that, whether it's Stanley or Conklin, depending on how it all shakes out, that the Giants are going to be a safe organization here and go with that. See, I'm kind of following, I'm following along with Chris Collinsworth's draft from March 15, where he predicted this trade. And not just because I'm lazy, but I think he brings up some valid points. And he has Corey Coleman, wide receiver out of Baylor going to the New York Giants. And it's kind of like as a compliment to Beckham, so that you have a one-two punch between this kid and Odell Beckham. I think it kind of makes sense. I mean, they can kind of get away with it because you can still pick up the big uglies later in the draft. There's still some, I mean, for as far as linemen go, this draft is pretty pretty packed. And I think you can still pick up a solid, uh, solid offensive lineman later in the draft. I'm, I mean... I like it, but does it does it make sense for the Giants who are really still hoping that Victor Cruz returns uh, as well to to get another person in there when there are other needs more than just a compliment for Odell Beckham? I think I think there's enough receivers in this draft that you could get one in the second round that can be that you can add to that big list of of receivers there, but I, I think you just got to go with the safe pick. You know, I'm going to go way out of left field here. I like the disruptor on the defensive side of the ball, Leonard Floyd out of Georgia. This is a prospect who could have come out last year. He's a guy who is just an absolute freak athlete. I've had my eyes on him for a few years now. He is a ridiculous athlete. I mean, he can play the outside linebacker spot, can play defensive end. He's a pass rusher, a disruptor, and a terrorizer in backfields. I think you could get a guy like that to mix things up give guys like Tony Romo a fit, and uh, I, I don't know. Floyd seems like a guy that could have gone top 10 last year as well. So I think for him to go in that position here, I think it makes sense. And maybe it's a little bit different from the agenda that the Giants have, but I think you go best available player, and in this sense, could be Leonard Floyd. Okay, so since we're running low on time, um, we're going to move on to our teams, since oh, yeah. we didn't touch on them. At 13... After trading with Tyler's Eagles to get your washed-up players, thank you for that, by thank the way. Thank you. You're so you guys are the greatest team on the face of the earth. <laughs> I don't know how. I don't know how you would do that trade. I mean, unless you were you got you had to be partying hard in South Beach, smoking some funky weed before you made that deal, because that was I mean, that was unbelievable. How Rosen won executive of the year before the season started. But I I think Miami, as a Miami fan, I'm watching this team and they need hole they have holes everywhere, but they need holes? No. They, <laughs> they I think I think that they need help in the secondary and I have Vernon Hargraves still there, but if he's not, I think they could get an Eli Apple from Ohio State or a um or William Jackson from Houston. They need a corner. I think in this first round, my team needs a corner. 
Enough said. Yeah. I can, I mean, what do you want <laughs> me to drop. argue with? <laughs> and then let's go over to Tennessee. They have 15. Yeah, picking at 15 oh. since they had such a successful season last year, clearly. No. <laughs> um, uh, it's, it's clearly offensive tackle or cornerback. Other than that, probably best available. Uh, I'm also hoping for an Eli Apple at corner, actually, at defensive back. They really need the help. And unfortunately, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to say it over, over these airwaves, but Edinburgh native and former John McClain Lancer, Bleedy Ray, Bleedy Ray Wilson, pardon me, in that third round a couple of years ago, don't think he's a pro. And uh, that's, a, that's a pick that just didn't pan out. They need that help at corner. Jason McCourty had that groin injury all season last year. You've got Michael Griffin, who got traded to Minnesota in the offseason. That secondary needs a lot of help. Uh, they could use a guy like Apple from Ohio State. If not, maybe a Taylor Decker at tackle from Ohio State as well. Um, not normally a huge Buckeye lover, Tubby, so I know mm-hmm. you're just eating this up. But um, you know, clearly you got to protect your quarterback, and then you got to defend against the pass because you've still got Andrew Luck coming back after that fluke year from last season. So I those are the two routes. I don't know how this happened, but in, in the mock draft that I made, Ronnie Stanley dropped to 15. Yeah. And that seems like a pipe dream. That, I mean, I would, don't get me wrong, <laughs> I would love it. That'd be great. I don't think – I mean, it's probably not going to happen. Yeah. But it, it'd be the dream scenario, and, and you've had people like Bill Polian say that they believe Ronnie Stanley is the best tackle in the draft. I don't know if I'm that far, but this is still a, a great pick if you can't – if you're not going to get Tunsil. So I think this is a good – and, and, you know, Tunsil's no guarantee because I true. can name you plenty of offensive tackles <laughs> like a Jason Smith from Jacksonville. Do you remember him? Mm-hmm. Well, no, well, no, 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 you shouldn't because he, he I remember got picked the in the name. top three. Thank you. That was the setup there. That was exactly what Ooh. I was going for. Day made and point made. Okay. Right okay. there. Well, You're hey, awesome. as long as we can make the boss happy, Drew and I have accomplished <laughs> could call me boss. what it is that we've set out to do. Well, I mean, it's kind of your station for like the next it's your show. three weeks, right? It's your show. <laughs> but hey, so. it's, it's our show within your station, <laughs> yeah. my friend. Okay. And then last, last. Little subject here. Who is your most surprising first round pick that you would have? Hmm. I'm not going first on this one. Because I have Connor Cook going in the first round to Denver. That would be. Uh, I think. Denver, that's a smart pick. That'd be interesting. You know, I think if there's not. there's. I don't think the cap deal is going to be in, in place. I have. Paxson Lynch going at 20 to the Jets. So I think Connor Cook makes a lot of sense for Denver because Mark Sanchez is not your guy, period. End but he's story. Tyler's guy. <laughs> Tyler loves him some Sanchez. Ugh. Listen, Sanchez is still better. What what argument was that? Sanchez was – we had something, and you were talking stupid. I mean, that was like every day of the week. But what was that about? <laughs> I think it was – was it was it Sanchez over RG3 or Sanchez over Manziel? Which oh is still because Johnny Manziel is like lucky to still be living, no joking, and Mark Sanchez is at least in the National Football League. I still think he's a more viable option at quarterback. Yeah, just as, as a real quick Johnny note, just because it's it's hilarious. Johnny's party got busted in L.A. Right, trashing a house. They partied so hard they still left Coke on the table. Like that's a heck of a party Coca-Cola. if he still diet, had drugs left diet over. Or zero. No. <laughs> diet or zero. Uh, I'm you talking both are ridiculous. Uh, I'm talking the powder stuff. <laughs> this show's going to be a little right, Drew, sugar. Drew, 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 let me get to this because you're actually making some sense here. So let me ask you this question. So you have 
the Jets taking a quarterback at 20, right? Yes. Lynch. Mm-hmm. So are you saying that they don't sign Ryan Fitzpatrick? So if Fitz tragic is still available, why does Denver not take sign him exactly. and have him as a viable option at starter and Sanchez as a number two? That's true. I think with the same problem that um, that the Jets are having, I don't think they want to pay Ryan Fitzpatrick that much. Right. No, I agree. And I don't think Ryan Fitzpatrick is worth what he's asking for. But at the same time, it's all about demand and you know, supply and demand. It's what the market is going to value you at. So if, if, he's, if they need a quarterback that bad, so if Denver's looking at it at 31 and they go, well, we have Paxton Lynch, Connor Cook, well, apparently he's taken already, but we have him, Christian Hackenberg, those are our options. Or we can overpay a few dollars more for someone that was this close to getting the Jets into the playoffs if he didn't turn into his alter ego if it's tragic, that's I would kind of go with the proven guy. No, I think it's I think because he's there's so much history on him, I'd rather go Cook. Because I think Cook has but you're a better so ceiling. close. You're so close, Tubby. You you won the Super Bowl. You have the defense to win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. You're missing that quarterback. I mean as much as Peyton Manning helped that team, he wasn't he didn't put him on their back. He wasn't exactly. Cam so Newton then all you're looking for out of Connor Cook is a Trent Dilfer performance. I can get Trent Dilfer without paying Fitzpatrick money. You're still playing, paying first round quarterback money, though. That that's the thing. Yeah, but but I lock him up for five years. Yeah, but you know what you're going to get out of Fitzpatrick ceiling wise. You have no idea what Connor Cook's ceiling is. Right. I mean, he could be. I mean, if you're as you're, which is a good thing for Fitzpatrick. I mean, I'm really basing this pick off the fact that I don't know if Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be signed. Period. By the next two weeks because of the ridiculous number that he's asking for, which is why I have both of those teams getting a quarterback. Well, right, I agree. But I don't think the Broncos take him in the first round. I think you can you can play it safe and take a Christian Hackenberger or someone else in the second round. And really, if you see the Jets taking someone at 20, like your mock draft plays out, i got 11 picks to figure out, hey, listen, let's relax. Let's not rush on a quarterback here. The Jets seem to be completely done with Fitzpatrick. He could be open. I don't think any other NFL franchise is going to get in on that lottery. I think it's the Broncos' guy to have. I would t- play it safe, take a quarterback second, third round, and sign Fitzpatrick, even if you have to overpay him a million or two dollars. Right. Um, unfortunately, gentlemen, that has come to the end <laughs> of our sports talk hour. Tyler, I appreciate you so much for uh, giving us your time and your wisdom and your insight from the Beast Coast over there. Uh, hey, my can- pleasure. Where can they find your stuff at? Where are you reporting? What are you up to? Where can they find you on the web? Well, hey, I mean, I'm, you can always check out my website, tylertrumbauer.com, doing a lot of freelancing right now for some local papers, doing some good stuff there. Of course, got my, got my steady income right now with my job as well. That's all working out. But, uh, you know, stay tuned. It might be over the summer, but there's uh, going to be a nice announcement coming up where I'm going to be returning to some sidelines and some press boxes of the PSAC hit when we come to the fall so stay tuned for that all righty excited thanks again for joining us today and uh we look forward to hearing from you in the future perhaps maybe we can line this up again before draft day and try to get into it again i'm saying hey we only got we only got through what 10 picks here i think we got plenty of stuff to talk about Mm -hmm. not even just draft either there's plenty still to talk about if we want right we might need to spill over into the into the wake-up call with whoever and whoever does it now We, we need to go the whole morning (laughs) <laughs> I mean, we can. I mean, we got the station boss here. We can arrange that. I'm not doing that, but maybe next. <laughs> maybe, maybe next week we'll, uh, we'll 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 do it again. Sounds good, guys. You take care of it for yourselves. <laughs> All right, thanks, Tyler. Appreciate it. Take care.
Ladies and gentlemen, that was Tyler Trumbauer joining us right here on the morning after, right here on 88.9 WFSE. Uh, again, if you missed any part of this excellent draft show, you can catch it on edinburghnow.com. The podcast will be up. Also, uh, as we'll keep you informed as to what's going on, um, we'll try to reschedule another, get through some more picks and some more antics with the crew here next week, perhaps. Also, Monday's show, Drew will be back, and we'll have playoff basketball to talk about, as well as playoff NHL and everything that happened in a jam-packed sports weekend uh, for Borough Sports as the ladies' softball team continues their four-day stretch of back-to-back doubleheaders, and uh, ladies' lacrosse is in action, track is in action, Tennis is in action. It's all happening, and we'll bring you all the information you need right here on the morning after on 88.9 WFSE Fighting Scots Radio. Have a great day, Burrow.